0: Shalom. This is November the 23rd, 2008. We're looking at our study in the Book of Galatians, and this is Lesson 7, and we'll be looking at Chapter 1 of the Book of Galatians. I've uploaded the Lessons uh, 7 through 9 onto the website in a separate document. Uh, if you had uh, downloaded the, that in the past uh, week or so, I found a few typos uh, after that point and have uh, uploaded it again today with some uh, corrections to some of those. So if you find typos, you might want to go and download those pages again and print the pages that are different. Um, also, for uh, next week, which would be November 30th, we will not be having our online class. Uh, we'll be taking the, uh, the weekend off for the uh, American holiday of Thanksgiving, so we'll not be meeting on the 30th. We'll be, uh, after today's lesson, we'll be uh, rejoining us uh, with uh, Lesson 8, the first uh, Sunday of December. Let's bless God for our study. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Lord our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring, and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Lord, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the peoples, and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, Lord, giver of the Torah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord illuminate his countenance for you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and establish peace for you. As we said, we're uh, getting into the book of Galatians. Uh, this will be uh, uh, our lesson seven, but it's the first uh, chance we've actually had to go into the book itself. So this is uh, chapter one we'll be looking at, Galatians chapter one, of the, um, for our study today. Uh, Just a few uh, scriptures uh, for us to get started. Uh, This is from Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Messiah to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Messiah. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. And that is Galatians one6 6 6-7 in the New King James Version. And this is Psalms 40, verses 9-10. through I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord, You yourself know, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. That's Psalms 40 verses 9 through 10, again from the New King James Version. Um, Here's some questions for today. What is the gospel that Paul is speaking out of in uh, the first chapter of Galatians? What does he mean by another gospel or a different gospel? Who are these people who appear to bring another gospel or a different gospel? And what do the eighteen measures uh, what do the eighteen measures provide context about what the gospel is that Paul is speaking of here? Uh, one of the biggest problems that we have, as we have seen, in our preparation for studying Galatians, one of the biggest problems that we have in reading the book of Galatians and other epistles that Paul has written specifically um, uh, is that we are coming into it with a bias or a preconceived notion, uh, years of of an interpretation that might actually be contrary to what Paul was speaking about. Now, what I'm talking about specifically, as we've seen, is that the context of Galatians, when understood through the Protestant Reformation, uh, is completely different from that context of Galatians when one does not have that as a pretext. Uh, The pretext of uh, of the Protestant Reformation, of course, uh, provides that uh, uh, the Catholic Church had uh, had established a works-based salvation. That is, the Church had had given certain uh, certain measurements of those who would be in or those who would be out. And uh, if you did not meet the Church's uh, uh, definition of those who were in, then uh, which included a number of works, uh, then in fact uh, you did not have salvation. Uh, The Protestant Reformation, of course, uh, sought to undo that, and one of their principal, one of the principal books used in that um, uh, controversy was, in fact, the book of Galatians. Uh, That's not to say that that's not a valid, uh, that wasn't a valid uh, thing for them to do. Uh, It's just that reading Galatians with that context. Uh, might possibly, and I I hope that we've seen already, uh, possibly uh, confuse the issue as opposed to um, giving us clarity. So we have been dealing with that for the last... uh, six lessons, preparing to read the book of Galatians, not with the Reformation or not with classical Christianity's uh, view, uh, but rather to try and discover what it was was intended to be, how it was intended to be read in the first century by the recipients who received it. Uh, Because in that we can understand that we could get something from this, we could receive instruction from this, uh, knowing that it was, uh, knowing the purpose for which it was written and how it was meant to be applied, uh, this is where we talk about the gospel versus the old religion. Uh, classical Christianity has wor- used the word gospel as a means uh, to pit itself against the old religion, uh, and that is really basically any old religion. A religion of works, is specifically, uh, classical Christianity has defined all religion apart from uh, cl- Christianity as being religions of works. Are earning your way into the favor of uh, God or the gods or whatever, uh, and whereas classical Christianity has defined itself as a faith-based religion, the only faith-based religion. Uh, whether that's true or false, that concept, when you read the Book of Galatians, might confuse uh, might confuse its true meaning for us as we read. Uh, so it's not a matter of old religion versus new religion. In the in the in the second and third century. Uh, the, uh, the second and third century church. It was a way to contrast this idea of the gospel. a way to contrast themselves not only from those who were involved in idolatry, but from Judaism itself, or the religion as uh, as we have seen up through the first century. In the context of Galatians chapter one, uh, it's it's really uh, it would really have been a contrast. Uh, the gospel would be the opposite of what. Uh, they would have called works-based Judaism. Uh, so if that's the way you start reading chapter 1, uh, in verses 6 and 7, you're talking about another gospel, which isn't another, or a different gospel, you'd say, well that must be speaking of Judaism, that's what it's talking about. So we would be, if we, if we, uh, find ourselves moving back into Judaism, uh, or being Judaized, as many of the commentators say, then that would be the, that would be the opposite of the gospel. Uh, more for more evangelical uh, a more evangelical view uh, coming out of that uh, out of the Reformation, uh, they, they saw works based Catholicism. Uh, Protestants uh, now would include not only Catholicism but uh, also Judaism or any other religion, but uh, you know, works based Catholicism was what uh, the gospel was being contrasted uh, in the in the sixteenth and seventeenth century in the, in the Protestant Reformation. What we need to understand is none of these correctly identify the gospel. Uh, the gospel is not a word that is being used uh, to define us versus them. Uh, it's not a matter of uh, who's in who's out. The gospel is something different and uh, what we want to do is we want to examine the gospel in light of uh, the background. It's not a word that's used in a void. it's Paul didn't pick it out of thin air. Uh, Paul didn't make it up. it was in fact a word that was used uh, has been used before. What we know is the word was used in the uh, uh, in the Septuagint and and that word um and the word here are one and the same the greek version of the hebrew scriptures speaks of this word and here it's uh in galatians chapter 1 verse 6 uh this word is used and the word is euangelan and and uh you might actually even hear evangelize or evangelism in that in that word uh, as it carries it's translator transliterated into the english um so that word uh It it comes from two parts. Uh, U is the word good and uh, uh, angulan is the word message or tidings or news. So it it means the word gospel is a word that in Old English uh, means the same thing as uh, the definition here that we get from breaking breaking this Greek word into its two parts. It means simply good news. Um, Good news the word gospel uh in old english simply means good news so uh what we've done in providing uh uh the hebrew names version we've actually included uh and, and uh this idea of good news rather than using the word gospel just to avoid the confusion of what is the gospel uh, it is good news that's the that's the reason uh for us talking about it as good news as opposed to just calling it the gospel uh, but there's also there's a play on words in this in, in verse eight uh, in chapter one verse eight there's a play on words where he says uh, it, um, uh, but if e- if even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed an angel from heaven this is the word. Uh, Angelas, and this this is a uh, a variation of the same word, you Uh So it's uh, a bearer of news. Uh, a angelas, a messenger is a bearer of news. So an angel. So whether it speaks of a, a a real angel or not is 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 not clear. But the point here is, if any messenger come, it says an angel from heaven. If any messenger come, uh, preach any other good news that we have preached and let him be accursed. Uh, so this, uh, um, this idea of, of a good news message, uh, a messenger. Uh, go to Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. And let's see how this word works in the Apostolic Scriptures. Luke 2, verses 10 through 11. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. And that is that word, Uh, and actually that is uh, the uh, the verb base. Uh, So it's I bring you good tidings or I preach good news of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Messiah the Lord. And uh, now let's go back into uh, the Tanakh. Go to Isaiah chapter 40 verses 9 through 10. And uh, in this what we want to see is how does the Septuagint uh, show this word, and from that we can derive in what the Hebrew word would be uh, for this uh, um, idea of good news. Isaiah 40, verses 9-10. O Zion, you who brings who bring good tidings, and, and in the Hebrew that is the word basar, uh, and in the Septuagint, or the Greek translation uh, from the 3rd century BCE, of the Hebrew scriptures, that is, euangelizo, uh, that is um, a variation of the word that we, or it is to preach good news that we see in uh, Galatians chapter 1. So the word basar is the Hebrew then. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, same word, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Uh, So here we see this word good good news in Isaiah. What is the good news? What is the good news that's being given here? The good news is, uh, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God, your God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. So here, the good news being given is uh, is a messianic hope: uh, God coming and and God establishing His rule with a strong arm. And His reward is with Him. That reminds us of uh, of Revelation chapter um, uh, Revelation, where it speaks of His reward uh, that He is coming, and His reward is with Him, speaking of Messiah. Uh, so we see this reward is is or this that God is coming, is the good news. This is the good news spook- spoken of in Isaiah chapter 40. If we go to some extant text, looking for this word, uh, the verb uh, the verb form, euangelizo, uh, uh, or the preaching of good news, or the teaching of uh, the preaching or the proclaiming of good news, we can find it in the Psalms of Solomon. And I, and I included that in the workbook. Psalms of Solomon, uh, chapter 11, verses 1-9. through 9. And let's read that. Behold, ye and Zion. Now, let me first explain what S- Psalms of Solomon is. It is uh, it is extant text. Uh, it's from the first century BCE. So, it's uh, in the first century before the birth of Messiah. It is included in, in, uh, in the Septuagint. So, many English Bibles, uh, uh, older English Bibles, uh, include it as part of the Apocrypha or that which is not canonized but is included because it's, uh, because it's instructive. Uh, so we wouldn't necessarily consider this, this book to be uh, of any authoritative value, but it certainly helps us in understanding the concepts as they would have been understood in the first century and before. Uh, reading Psalms of Solomon, verse, chapter 11, verses 1-9. through 9, Blow ye in Zion on the trumpet to summon the saints. Cause ye to be heard in Jerusalem the voice of him that bringeth good tidings. And that is that word, euangidzo. For God hath pity on Israel, In visiting them, stand at the height, O Jerusalem, and behold thy children from the east and the west. Gathered together by the Lord. From the north they come in the gladness of their God. From the isles far off God hath gathered them. High mountains hath he abased into a plain for them. The hills fled at their entrance. The wood gave them shelter as they passed by. Every sweet-smelling tree God caused to spring up for them. That Israel might pass by in the visitation of the glory of their God. Put on, O Jerusalem, thy glorious garments. Make ready thy holy robe. For God hath spoken good concerning Israel forever and ever. Let the Lord do what he hath spoken concerning Israel and Jerusalem. Let the Lord raise up Israel by his glorious name. The mercy of the Lord be upon Israel forever and ever. This is the speaking of good news... Because God has spoken good of Israel is what it's speaking about. And that God has spoken good, what has he spoken good? That he's going to call them back. That he's going to reign over them. He's going to clothe them with glorious garments. He's going to make them make them ready with a holy robe. Uh, what we see here is in the Psalms of Solomon is a messianic hope. A time when... Uh, when Messiah reigns and this is a uh, this is what was would have been an understanding of what the good news is the good news what you say what is the good news in the years before the first century and they would have expressed some form of a messianic hope and that it was that God was going to redeem Israel that he was going to bring Israel back and restore her to her uh, to her proper place in the nations. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and we can see this uh, a- as well in the, very, uh, in the very ministry of Yeshua. Four times in the book of Matthew, this word, uh, or the, the uh, preaching of the gospel is mentioned as in this context, and that is the, 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 the phrase, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 and Yeshua went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel and that is that word euangelon again that is uh, that's the word gospel it means simply good news preaching the good news uh, of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So, what is that good news? Let's let's continue to read. Go to go back up to chapter uh, Matthew chapter four verse seventeen. What was the good news? And it's mentioned previously in the chapter. From that time, Yeshua began to preach and to say, and this is the good news: Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the good news. As it's being expressed, and as I said four times in the book of Matthew, he uses this phrase, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now we can go to uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. and We can see how this, uh, how Paul uses this, uh, this preaching, this good news, this gospel of peace, as, he, as it's called in English. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And uh, um, and this is a this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 52, uh, verses 7 through 10. Uh, this this quote speaking of Um, speaking of what the gospel of peace is and and, uh, quoting from Isaiah uh, 52 with regard to uh, those who bring good news, uh, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, the good news of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I included a a quote from uh, uh, Mark Nenos' Irony of the Galatians, which is an excellent commentary in the book of Galatians. Um, and not from a Messianic uh, perspective, but certainly from a uh, more classical uh, perspective. It's still a very good commentary. I recommend it highly. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, Mark, Nan- Mark Nano's uh, commentary uh, found on page 290 of, of uh, Irony of the Galatians on this specific issue of the Messianic expectations and the relationship to the good news. Here's what he says. The, pro- the prophetic development of the heralding of the good news is most important for understanding the usage in Jewish literature of the period in in the new test and in the New Testament quintessential is isaiah's dramatic announcement of the return of Israel from exile to the long awaited reign of God witnessed by all of creation and then he references isaiah fifty two seven through ten uh, let me pause for a moment that's exactly what we saw in um, both in reading uh Isaiah chapter 40 and also in reading uh, from the Psalms of Solomon. We saw that that, uh, this dramatic announcement of Israel's return from exile. And continue reading uh, further down uh, page uh, 290 of Mark Nano's book. uh, 291, excuse me. The explicit development of this citation from Isaiah in Romans 10.15 and he's talking about Isaiah 52. And the surrounding context provides Paul with an argument for the mission to the Gentiles based on the faithfulness of God. Of Israel's God to Israel first, and then also through her to the nations, for the same Lord. And he quotes, "For the same Lord is Lord of all." That's uh, Romans ten twelve. In this way, Paul's usage is explicitly linked with his assertion of the uh, of the Gentile mission in the context of the one God of Israel now reconciling all the nations also in Christ. It is an affirmation of his faith in the one God of Israel as the one god of all creation for god is one in concert with with his application of the confession of the shema what uh, mr nanos is talking about here is that that paul's usage of uh, isaiah 52 uh, in his in, in his uh, text of romans chapter 10 is consistent with Paul's main view of his mission to the Gentiles and that he saw that his mission to the Gentiles was based upon the faithfulness of God to Israel first and through her then to the nations uh, certainly that is the that is not in view of classical uh, Christian thought seeing Israel first and then through her to the nations classical Christian thought, going back to the second th- century, is to Israel first and then on the basis of Israel's rejection then the, all the other nations accept and Israel then is excluded unless Israel will then become part of the church as, as they would have referred. Uh, this is not at all what uh, Mr. Nanos is referring to but Paul sees this, this connection. His mission with the Gentiles has to do with God's promise and God's promises going all the way back to Abraham. So we see in this idea, this messianic expectations, this declaration of good news, uh, Paul uh, starts right away in chapter one, uh, he launches into this, and it 's in- so important for him to under- for them the readers to understand paul 's view of the good news. It relates to telling the Gentiles, it relates to uh, convincing the Gentiles of this good news because, because Paul saw it as a necessary part in fulfilling god 's promises. To Abraham and to all Israel, um, I included some uh, cross references for us to also look at some other good news. Uh, go back to Sa- first second Samuel chapter one, second Samuel chapter one, uh, and we'll read from verses uh, uh, well, I gave you the whole passage, chapter one, uh, one through 17. I'll just uh, set the story up here. Here, uh, Saul. It's at the end of Saul's life. He's he's injured on the battlefield. Um, he is uh, um, uh, he is dying in pain, and he and he sees a uh, a soldier and asks him to uh, to uh, take his life, to end his life, to put him out of his misery. Uh, this soldier who is an Amalekite. Uh, Kill Saul because he says he won't live anyway, and then he goes to David with the with the news that he has killed Saul, who he assumes is David's mortal enemy, who want to in fact wanted to kill David, and so therefore he might accept this as good news. Uh, this is uh, sec, uh, first uh, Second Samuel um, chapter one uh, verse verse ten and this is the Amalekite speaking, So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head, and the bracelet that was on his arm, and have brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his own clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. Verse 12, And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, for the people of the Lord of the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. Uh, does David treat this uh, this this as good news? Uh, um, as we're going to see later on, of course he doesn't. He uh, he, he treats this as very bad news. Uh, but it's perceived that David will consider this to be good news. Uh, the word is actually used further down in in or further on in, in the book 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 9 through 10. The word bazar is being used in the Septuagint. Uh, the Greek translation of the of the Hebrew Scriptures actually uses the same Greek word that we find in uh, in Galatians chapter one. Uh, let's read uh, uh, Let's read uh, chapter four, Second Samuel chapter four, verses nine through ten. But David answered Rehob and Banah, his brother, the sons of Ramon, the Berit, Beritite, and said to them, "As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversary, uh, adversity, when someone told me." saying look Saul is dead thinking they have brought good news and it's speaking of the Amalekite in chapter 1 who brought to David the good news that or what he thought was good news that Saul had, been, had was dead uh, and then David continues I arrested him and had him executed at Ziklag the one who thought I would give him a reward for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house, his, and therefore shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you, move you from the earth? And what he's referring to is Rechab and Bana have killed Saul's son, Ishbosheth, and they think that David's going to treat this as good news. So what's David says? Look, here's two groups of people uh, this Amalekite and now these two brothers who, who think they bring the good news by killing Saul and killing his son. Uh, they they killed Saul in the battlefield. The Malachi killed Saul in the battlefield. Uh, these two brothers kill, killed uh, Ishbosheth in his bed. Um, uh, you know, not hurting anyone. Uh, and you think that this would be good news. Uh, and what we see here is that misunderstanding is the real issue at hand. Um, there's a misunderstanding. You thought that this is good news. This is not good news at all. This gives us some insight. Using this word, good news. Uh, intention does matter and misunderstanding uh, matters as well uh, and this is what Paul is speaking of when he, when, he, uh, when he in chapter 1 where he says there's those who preach another gospel or a different gospel which isn't a gospel at all in other words they think it's going to be good news for you to hear you, Gal- you Gentile, uh, Gentiles in Galatia they think that you, in- that you hear this good news this is not good news at all it's not uh, it's not something that, it, 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 that solves the problem that solves the issue uh, and in Galatia, the real issue was not simply getting Gentiles into the community of faith. So, look, how can I get into? How can I begin into the community of faith? How is it? Uh, as we saw in Acts chapter 15, verse one, how is it that we can uh, be saved? and and uh, there were those in Galatia, those troubling those in Galatia saying, if you want to be saved just like they did in Acts chapter 15 then you must go through ritual conversion you must go through the whole uh, set of man-made laws and rules in order to become uh, to become a Jew because that's what ritual conversion uh, did, is what they thought. So, here's the way we'll solve this problem. We'll just make you all Jews. Well, that doesn't solve the issue of Gentiles coming into the kingdom, which is what uh, the Messianic hope is, and that's we saw. The Messianic expectations that Paul saw that Gentiles were included, that Gentiles, the nations were included. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where Abraham is is told that in him all the nations uh, would be blessed. So we see that Paul sees this is not, a you know, ri- the idea of ritual conversion, if it, even if it worked, which Paul would argue that it doesn't work, and it doesn't work, uh, even if it works, still doesn't satisfy the, the, the promises. Still does not satisfy the promises because all the Gentiles simply become Jews. Now we know that uh, ritual conversion does not do that, but remember he's arguing on the basis uh, that that's what those who are there think it does, that it that it has that it's uh, efficacious, that it works, that it, is, uh, that it does more than simply allow people to uh, feel like they're a part. They actually become a part of the uh, covenant community. So the issue is not about getting individual Gentiles into the community of faith, but rather it's how they were to be included and why they were included. This is the, this is the real uh, point of Paul's uh, attack. He says, you, you don't understand how the Gentiles are included, nor do you understand why they are included. And he's going to make this case through this book as we go through there. An example of this idea of good news and a, a different Kind of good news, or another good news, which isn't good news at all. Go to Acts chapter thirteen. We've read this before. Acts chapter thirteen, verse thirty-eight through uh, forty-eight. And this is at Antioch at Pisidia. Uh, th- this is where uh, Paul has Paul uh, uh, Paul comes into a a, a uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas come into a uh, a city, and they go to a, uh, a synagogue. It's a large enough city to actually have a synagogue. They go to the synagogue. In the synagogue, they find people who are willing. It says, after the reading of the Torah and the Prophets, they stand up and say, do you, or they ask them, do you have something to say, some good word? And so they, they, they give this marvelous sermon, this, this marvelous uh, teaching on Yeshua and his, and, his, and his ministry, who He was and what He, had, what he, had, what he came to do. And uh, we'll pick it up in verse 38. Uh, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man he 's speaking of Yeshua is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could be justi- which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Uh, beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold you despisers, marvel and perish by a work, a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe though you were to de- though one were to declare it to you verse 42 so when the jews went out of the synagogue the gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next sabbath now when the congregation had broken up many of the jews and devout proselytes followed paul and barnabas who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of god On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and, and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. So the Lord has commanded us... I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. As and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now, of course, uh, classical Christian uh, theology here goes back and says, "See, the Jews rejected, and so there, God, God was." Through with them, and instead he chose the Gentiles and, and those who were coming. It's, it, uh, be careful to note here that uh, in verse 43, it says, Many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking with them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. There's, it's not just the Jews of this synagogue. It's some Jews who, in fact, opposed Paul in verse 40, 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. It is some of them, not all of them. Uh, but rather, there were a great number uh, of Gentiles who also heard this same thing. What did they think? what are they gladdened by what what do they what do they, glor- they glorify the word uh, the word of the Lord because of in verse forty when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. Um, if you go back up to verse uh, verse forty seven it says paul 's quoting he says, "For so the Lord has commanded us." I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. What's he speaking of? Uh, these are people. They're attending synagogue. They're they're devout Gentiles. They're 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 attempting to worship the God of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They have not gone through ritual conversion, although some have. It says devout proselytes. Uh, but some of these had not followed uh, uh, ritual conversion. They were simply uh, follow, attempting to follow after after. Uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So why is this good news? Uh, they didn't, th- you know, in the classical view, uh, it's like, well, this is good news because we can get saved. Well, you know, they weren't thinking. Wait, we aren't saved. Uh, they were thinking, uh, what I want is I want to be a part of Israel. In their minds, that's what being saved was. Uh, not to not to argue whether that is or isn't it, but uh, their view is to be saved was to be a part of of Israel. Uh, and the word that they were hearing from. Uh, those who who were here, the Jews who were here, was, well, you can be a part of Israel if you will be justified by the law of Moses. And what it's speaking of in verse 39 there, it's talking about, remember as we talked about ritual conversion, what was the first thing of ritual conversion? It was to be, uh, um, it was to accept the oral and the written law, the oral and the written Torah, and and then it was to go through uh, ritual uh, circumcision, actual physical circumcision, and then lastly, uh, a ritual immersion, an immersion. And in the first temple, uh, in the second temple age, if you were at the temple, then it would be also to give an offering and uh, pay the temple tax, of course, as well. So what we see here is that to be justified to the law of Moses in verse 39 is a, is a reference is a reference to ritual conversion it's talking about. Even though we know the law of Moses doesn't command ritual conversion, that's the phrase that's being used. Justified by the law of Moses. In other words, uh, to be considered a part. Justified. To be considered a part. And we're going to look at this next week. But to be considered a part of Israel. So what's the good news these people here It says uh, you 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 can't be justified uh, by the law of Moses, your sins are forgiven you could be you can be a part of the believing community how on the on the basis of messiah 's work alone that 's some good news to these Gentiles. That is good news. The good news is wait i don 't have to become a Jew in order to be uh, um, in order to be a part of god 's covenant people in order to be saved um, and, and of course when they heard this they glorified God now again what's the quote he gives that you should be that I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth Gentile inclusion is the good news uh, that the good news is is also that and primarily that God will that God is restoring Israel that he is setting up his kingdom and the fact that Gentiles would be included was pointing to the fact that that, that age had dawned that it was that God was was had begun the process of His final redemption. Um, th- th- going back up to f- verse thirty-nine, you can see this different gospel being being. Contrasted here. Here's, here's the here's the here's the good news and the different good news. Verse 39, chapter 13 of uh, Acts, verse 39. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. There's the gospel and the, another gospel, which is not a gospel as Paul speaks of in chapter one of the book of Galatians. What was Messiah's mission? Uh, and and uh, I gave you I gave you a, a uh, exercise in, in Hebrews chapter uh, chapter ten uh, Psalms chapter forty uh, de- defining what Messiah's mission was what what did he come to do what did he do uh, we we know well of his work at the cross and his resurrection we know well what that accomplished for us personally uh, in, in 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 the manner of removing uh, and and taking away our sins completely giving us a hope. But what was his? what is his broad mission? What, is it, what does it say? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. And this is Messiah speaking, and he's quoting. Uh, to do your will, O God. And this is, he's quoting from Psalm chapter 40, verse 8. Uh, ch- uh, Hebrews 10, verse 8. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. But he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he might establish the second. But that will, will we have been sanctified, but that we will be have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Messiah once for all. And he's making this point that uh, the, that Messiah's offering once for all was absolutely, completely efficacious, that it worked completely. We've been sanctified, set apart, made holy uh, by him, Already, uh, this idea then that he is—what did he come to do? It, very, very distinctly, uh, in, in a very concise way, it is simply. I have come to do your will, O God. The mission of Messiah, I have come to do your will. What is that will? And if you go to Psalm chapter 40, we can we can read, uh, first of all, what he quotes from. The writer of Hebrews quotes from Psalm chapter 40, beginning in verse 6. And he quotes verse, uh, parts of verse 6 and 7. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin you do not require. Uh, but uh, excuse me, verse seven. Then I said, "Behold, I will come." In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. And then verse eight. This is what's this is this is the this is what is uh, um, uh, excuse me what's quoted in, in Hebrews chapter chapter uh, uh, ten, verse seven. Uh, then I said, "Behold, I come." In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Verse eight. I delight to do your will. O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. This concise. What's his mission? The delight to do his will. And your law is within my heart. Verse 9. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. That's the word. That's the word, good news, as we see in, in chapter uh, 1 of Galatians. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you yourself know. Verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your righteousness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. This is the mission of Messiah uh, prophesied through uh, David in, in, in recording Psalm chapter 40. The mission of Messiah. Messiah is speaking through these words. What is it that he was given to do? To, to do God's will. What was God's will? To proclaim the good news of righteousness in the great assembly, the congregation, all Israel, to proclaim the good news. And what we see here is also uh, a, a, a a comparison, parallelism. Hebrew parallelism is at work here in verses 9 and 10. Let's go through the list, though, of Psalms chapter 40, uh, verses uh, 7 uh, Six through ten, actually, and and list what we see for Messiah's mission. First of all, he comes. He comes. Behold, I come in verse seven. It is written of him, verse seven, written of him in the scroll of the book. In other words, the scriptures recorded. Verse uh, and so he fulfills the scriptures as we see throughout the gospels. This is this is one of his missions. One of his purposes is to fulfill these uh, the scriptures. Uh, He delights to do God's will. Verse eight. I delight to do Your will, O my God. and what is it? This is the Hebrew parallelism at work here. What is it? Delight is due with his law is in his heart. Um, then he, then I proclaim the good news. He proclaims, he proclaims his faithfulness. He proclaims the good news of righteousness. Excuse me. And, and then he has a couple little uh, parallel thoughts. He does not restrain his lips. He has not hidden righteousness within his heart. In other words, he he shows, reveals the righteousness of God. He proclaims the good news of righteousness. And then uh, in verse 10, I have not hidden uh, your righteousness within my heart. The next thing he does is he declares, he declares, he says, I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. He declares his faithfulness and salvation. And then he has these parallel statements. He hasn't concealed his loving kindness and truth. So we see this this parallelism here as opposed to the contrast. We see this parallelism. And what we see is by looking at verse ni- 9 and verse 10, what is his, uh, his, his mission is to do God's will. What is it to do God's will? To proclaim the good news of righteousness in the great assembly and to declare his faithfulness and his salvation. In other words, these are parallel statements. So proclaiming the re- good news of righteousness and declares faithfulness in your salvation. This is Messiah's mission. This is how he fulfilled his mission. Uh, And we certainly see that he did that in his work at the cross, but he did it also in bringing the good news. And the good news was, as we've seen in Matthew chapter 4, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to Isaiah chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 4. This is a messianic hope repeated throughout the book of Isaiah. The messianic hope is, is not only for a personal salvation, but for a salvation of all Israel, the fulfillment of God's promises uh, beginning uh, to, to, uh, to Eve through the serpent, uh, as we saw, going through uh, the sons of Noah, going through uh, and specifically to Abraham and then to Jacob, Isaac and to Jacob, God's promises of Messiah. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, the Torah, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This is speaking of, obviously, the end of the age. This is speaking of the messianic age, uh, the time of the restoration of uh of the throne of David, when Messiah will sit on the throne of David, Messiah Yeshua. And we see here in Isaiah chapter 2 that it is something that all nations will flow to Jerusalem. It says, Going up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. What's the house? It's the temple. And they will teach us his ways, we shall walk in his path, for out of Zion shall go forth the Torah, the law. Isaiah 2 says, All nations will flow to Jerusalem to learn the Torah. This is what Paul saw. This is what Paul understood his mission to the Gentiles was about. It was about including all nations. Why? Because that was necessary for the restoration of all things. That was necessary for God to fulfill his promises to Israel and his promises uh, to uh, all of the patriarchs who received them. Now let's go back to, uh, with that as a backdrop and having done that uh, uh, historical uh, overview and a uh, little bit of scriptural reference to get a handle on, this, on these words, let's go back and let, do a little read from uh, Galatians chapter 1 and do a little bit of exegesis. Uh, this is from Galatians chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Turn to Galatians 1, verse 1. Paul, an emissary, not from man, no through men. But through Yeshua the Messiah, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the assemblies of Galatia. Let's just pause there just a second. What we see here right away is uh, Paul is an emissary. It says not through man, but through Yeshua the Messiah and God the Father. Uh, we see here is his credentials to the to the Gentiles. He's presenting his credentials as being by divine appointment. Why is that significant? Uh, you know, certainly everybody could say, well, listen, I didn't, I didn't think of this. God sent me on this mission. But why is that significant now And what Paul is trying to tell these people, what he's about to tell them with regard to uh, the good news for Gentiles and uh, another good news which isn't good news, and that is had to, had, as it pertains to ritual conversion. Why is it important that he was not given this task for men? And that's because what he's going to argue is against the idea that it is man that decides who's in and who's out. It's, 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 it's not man that decides who's in and who's out. It's not man who decides uh, by what means uh, people are added to the community of faith. It is, in fact, di- a divine uh, task. It is God's choosing. Paul is making that point here that he, was, he did not uh, receive this mission. This, he was not given this task by men, but it was through God himself. Uh, Continuing in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Verse 4, Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us out of this present age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever. Endeavor. Look in verse four. He's contrasting this restoration of Israel in the eschaton uh, in the last days as being delivered from this present age, alom hazeh, this present uh, present evil age. So he says this this contrast is we've been delivered. Uh, Israel's going to be delivered, um, and. In fact, uh, or out of this present age, uh, this Alom uh, Hazay, picking up in verse 6, I marvel that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Messiah to a different good news. and there, And there isn't another good news. Only there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the good news of Messiah. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should proclaim to you any good news other than one which we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I I now say again, if any man preaches to you any good news other than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Uh, Notice here he's talking about some who had come and wanted to pervert the good news of Messiah. Uh, They had come... And they had preached uh, something, another good news or a different good news, which isn't actually even good news at all. Uh, They wanted to pervert it. Who is it that these that came to trouble them? Who are those who trouble them? Uh, Mark Nanos, in his book Irony of the Galatians uses the the, the word influencers the influencers uh, we see in classical Christian commentaries oftentimes they 're called Judaizers, uh, which is probably a, 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 a very uh, first of all it 's a demeaning word it shouldn 't be used in that context but the, the 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 thing being said here is uh, uh, those who came from the uh, party of the circumcision, or those who came from, or the Jewish people, as some would uh, incorrectly say. Who are these people who are troubling them? It's been there's you know we can only postulate, we can only guess who they are. We we certainly know by comparing this to Acts chapter 15, some of the things that these people were teaching. As we go through the book of Galatians, we're going to find out more and more about who it is that these these people are and how, they've, how they are troubling the Galatians. How are they troubling them though here right away? Uh, they're teaching something. They're perverting the good news of Messiah. They're teaching something they call this good news. Remember going back to 2 Samuel. Now They think it's good news. They think it's something you might want to hear. Uh, but in fact, it's not a good news at all. It's not, it's, not the, it's not the good news that fulfills the promise of the restoration of Israel that is evidenced by the ingathering Uh, Of Gentiles as well. This, uh, the reason for his writing this book, this is to contrast and to to, uh, call their attention to this different good news, which isn't good news at all. This different good news offered nothing in the way of fulfilling Messianic expectations. It's not just simply a matter of converting Gentiles into Jews. Uh, What about the prophetic, uh, the prophecies where Gentiles are included? Um, uh, then add to that the personal danger there's this personal danger of uh, for each one who, who fell into this trap of considering this to be good news of missing the very nature of how it was that they were added how was it that they were added to the commonwealth of Israel? How was it that they were added to the people of God? How was it that they were attached to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? How, is it ha- how did it happen? Well, they might think it was by the act of men, by their succumbing to a, uh, a ritual conversion, by their going through ritual circumcision. They might think that that's how they were added. That was uh, personally dangerous, personally dangerous for their own understanding, their own faith. Uh, Paul's taking this person on and saying, or these people on, these troublers on and saying, uh, this is not a good news, that's not good news at all. Continuing in verse 10, chapter 1 verse 10, for I am now seeking, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? For if I were still pleasing men, I wouldn't be a servant of Messiah. But I make known to you, brothers, concerning the good news which was preached to me, that is not according to man, for neither did I receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came to me through the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah, for ye have heard of my way of living in past in time past in Judaism, how that beyond measure I persecuted the assembly of God and ravaged it. Now stopping there, we see here that that this this Good news doesn't originate with man's ideas of how to approach God. This good news doesn't originate with a list of uh, things that must be done by man in order to then be included in the covenant community. Uh, Paul doesn't care about the favor of man at all. Uh, Where did he learn this good news? He says, "I didn't. I didn't. I was preached to me. Uh, He received it from from Yeshua himself. Where did he receive it? He received it on that road to Damascus, where Yeshua said, "Why do you kick against the goads? Uh, Why do you? Why are you fighting? Uh, me And he says, I have called you, I'm calling you as my ambassador to the Gentiles where you will go and you will suffer many things. Uh, we see that this good news is, is, uh, is, as we see, Paul's mission is related to this good news. This going to the Gentiles, Paul sees it as a part of uh, the end times prophecy. Picking up again in verse 14. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my countrymen, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. Paul's listing his own credentials prior, prior to his understanding of the good news. But when it was the good pleasure of God, who s- separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem nor to those who were emissaries before me, but I went away to Arabia. Then I returned to Damascus, verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter and stayed with him 15 days. But of the emissaries, other emissaries, speaking of the apostles, I saw no one except Jacob, the Lord's brother, that's James. Uh, Now, about the things which we write to you, behold, before God I am not lying. Then I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, I was still unknown by faith in the assemblies of Judea which were in Messiah but they had only heard he who once persecuted us now preaches the faith that he once tried to destroy and they glorified God in me. Paul is an emissary commissioned by Yeshua not by the first apostles the first uh, disciples nor by, nor by uh, G- Judaism at large. Paul is commissioned by God and by God alone. Has, he, has, he has been given uh, this task, he said, he separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Uh, and and he, the, these credentials that he's offering are to uh, enforce the idea that this is not something that is man-made. His ideas come from himself, but they are of divine origin. This is not a, a, a dean, a ruling council did not get together and say, these are the things that must be done or not done in order to have a part in the world to come. Paul is making the point that this is not a matter for men to decide. This is something that God has decided. God has decided, and we see uh, in summary we see that Paul is, has, has, this, uh, has been commissioned by Yeshua to go to the Gentiles, and he was faithful to that calling. His, his understanding of how that worked in, the whole, in God's whole scheme uh, of using Israel. To bring the nations to Him it is unique. Uh, we we don't see the other apostles getting a grasp of that until much later, and then only through halting steps. Um, uh, to Him, and in His first calling as an ambassador to the Gentiles, He He understands uh, this reason why that it that it was why carrying the good news to the Gentiles was so important that it was in, relate, in relation to his understanding of the eschaton, the end of the age, the messianic age, had to include Gentiles. That was the promise. Those were the promises given uh, to Abraham and uh, the patriarchs and to the prophets. And he understood that. So this good news that Paul wants, wants them to hear, this good news that he taught to the Galatians and he's causing them not to abandon, was about Messiah establishing His kingdom. And the kingdom would include men and women from every nation and every tongue. Uh, the, the Abrahamic promises see this. Uh, the, promises, uh, the prophets see this. And Paul saw it. And those who were troubling the Galatians didn't see it. They were the ones who did not understand uh, what God was doing. They thought that what mattered was for each of these Gentiles to go through a ritual conversion that they should become Jews and somehow that would settle the issue. Uh, it only would settle the issue for men. It would not settle the issue for God because God wanted uh, the Gentiles called uh, through uh, through Israel to be attached to Israel and to the God of Israel. And to do that could only come through the act and the work of Messiah alone. This is Paul's opening salvo against those who would trouble these believers in Galatia. In, in closing, uh, one of the wonderful things about um, about the Scriptures is how they closely interrelate. And, and when we when we uh, pull out a Siddur or a prayer book and, and read from it, which uses so much Scripture and, and uh, employs Scripture in, in combinations, we begin to see this interrelation of Scripture. And as we look back at Acts chapter 15 uh, last week and we were uh, considering um, the the issue at hand, where uh, the Jerusalem Council got together to decide, how is it that Gentiles are added to the kingdom? Was it through ritual conversion? And how Paul, how uh, Peter stood up and, and well, Paul was there as well, and Barnabas arguing, but how Peter stood up and said, "Do you remember how it was that I received this vision that Gentiles should be included, and that the Holy Spirit was given to Cornelius and all his family, not after the result of ritual conversion, but simply on the on the uh, on the recognition that Messiah had come and uh, that God had uh, placed His love upon these people uh, who were Gentiles, who were not Jewish and that the Holy Spirit was poured out. How Peter uses this as proof that God has called Gentiles into His community, not by making them Jews but simply out of His grace and through the work of Messiah. Well, in the Bikat Hamazon, the grace after meals, prayer, that is traditionally prayed. Uh, one of the things uh, there's inserts for Sabbath and festival days, and uh, in that insert there's a mention uh, for, for excuse me in that insert for Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. There's a mention of David's fallen booth, which is a reference uh, back to the book of Amos. That is what James quotes from uh, when he stands up and and uh, tries to bring a, a a settlement in this council, uh, which the council agrees to. When he says all the Gentiles are being called, when he sees all the Gentiles are being called, he, he references back to Amos and he says, this is David's fallen booth being erected. This is David's dynasty being established. This is the Messianic age upon us. This is uh, Messiah returning in glory, establishing his kingdom. Why? Because Gentiles were being added. That's what James saw. If Gentiles are being added, then the time has come for Hashem, uh, the Holy One, blessed is He, to erect David's fallen booth. And in the Hamazon, uh, in the Birkat Hamazon prayer for Sukkot, we read this: The Compassionate One, may He erect for us David's fallen booth, and may He do it soon in our days. Amen.